And you know, do we make this podcast just for ourselves, Eric? Because I don't know, maybe I should listen to this podcast. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> our, our own therapy and coaching. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Should we rebrand? Welcome to the uh, <laughs> therapy and coaching session with John yeah. Son and Eric. Yeah. yeah. Where they coach themselves and each other. Welcome to the Expansive Podcast, where we explore the frontiers of personal growth, business innovation, and technology. We believe that growth and progress come from expanding our minds, exploring new possibilities, and embracing change. So get ready to stretch your thinking and unleash your potential as Eric and I dive deep into ways, tips, processes, mindsets, and strategies that help us become champions of change. As always, we're with you again this week. And today we're talking about how to be excellent. And I'm always uh, joined by my co-pilot, Eric. Hello, Eric. How are you, my man? Hey, brother, man. Yeah, good. Uh, Super excited for our session today to talk about excellence. What a great topic to be talking about, especially on the day where we are going to be doing our very first event in years. Uh, Today is, what is it, the 23rd of March, We are hosting an in-person event in Cape Town tonight. If you are listening to this, you are too late. You can't get a ticket anymore. They're out the door. They're listening to this after. No, it's Exactly. Yeah. You've missed it. You've missed it. (laughs) You've missed it. You've missed it. it. But but good news is there will be more coming down the line. So uh, don't fret. We are looking at hosting more and more in-person events, doing more stuff with the community. Ultimately, that's why we do this in the first place. So, uh, yeah, that's that's it from my side. What's happening for you? Obviously, events are also happening for you. Yes, of course, no events, but um, I'm in Cape Town, so I'm very close to you again, yep. and I'm looking forward to seeing you this afternoon. It's been a while. Um, what is really top of mind for me, Eric, is the last few days, there's been these viral photos of Donald Trump all over social media being arrested by the police, and they're fake photos. And uh, of course. What's happening is AI has gotten so good in the last week, literally, literally one week. It's gotten so good that you just can't tell the difference at all. And you know what I was thinking? I was telling my friend it's amazing because Hollywood and social media imprints our brains. And then what happens is they create this emotional state within us. And then Mm. what we do is we look for these states, right? So that's why decisive, divisive news makes people look for racism and attacking. And the more you talk about it, the more you see it. Now, how mad that they are imprinting pictures of Donald Trump being arrested into people's consciousness. And really what got me thinking is this is what NFTs are about because this fakeness is going to start proliferating. It's going to be ridiculous, the amount of fakeness out there. And the only way you'll be able to actually think about it in a real manner is if it's got an NFT attached to it. And so all of a sudden the NFT idea has now become much more practical in its usage because if it doesn't have an NFT number attached to it, then it's not real. And then you're going to have a proliferation of fakeness, you know? So it was quite a, it was quite an aha moment for me because when I was looking at it, I was like, wow, I can't believe this is happening. And then, Oh, NFT. Now we see it. So, that's kind of been like, uh, mm. like a top of mind for me. I've been thinking about this day coming for a while now, simply because I think 
we are in for a hell of a time with scammers and people trying to access your information and blackmailing you, et cetera, et cetera. And yeah, there's going to have to be ways for us to verify what is real and what is fake. But we also know that guys like OpenAI, they are working on having a signature attached to things that are generated through AI. So they can know that this is AI and this isn't AI. And I actually think that's what we're going to see as well, is there's going to be a big industry that that emerges that's all about uh, being able to decipher whether something was artificially generated mm. or whether it's real. Yeah. Um, I can see the application of NFTs for sure, but when there's so much content being created all the time, that's going to be tough to put everything through the NFT process. Whereas, well, remember the minting process will get easier, cheaper, it faster. Will get, yeah, yeah. Of but, course, but do so you right want now to, it's clunky. Yeah, but are you going to mint like everything that you upload, and then even if I mint yes, it, because yeah. Yeah, but because why? Because your wallet is how you access the social media platform. And if you have an NFT in it, you don't own it so that it doesn't have a it doesn't have a, a, a breadcrumb back to you. So then you can't but, earn from it. But if I have, so let's say I'm the one that generated that AI photo of Donald Trump being arrested and right. I mint that. Oh, no, no. Then I, I don't know. Then I don't know. Yeah. yeah how do you then? Know. Yeah. No, no, so no, no, I think, no, 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 no. <laughs> But I think it's going to... The tools um, will have to be yeah. there to figure out, mm. to, to yeah. trace the signature, you know? Yeah. Um, and I don't know, as, as always, I think that is going to lag behind, way behind the creation of the actual tool because, like you said, it's almost indistinguishable. Not it almost. is indistinguishable. It, I mean, it, it is, it is yeah, yeah, indistinguishable. Yeah, yeah. It is. It's totally mm. indistinguishable. It doesn't, mm. doesn't see, I don't see any difference, you know? So that's, that's been top of mind. Crazy, but then also, crazy world. You know, we are we are we are teaching a, a chat GPT four uh, session soon. So I've been doing a lot of research, and OpenAI is one of fifty companies. Like OpenAI is not even like <laughs> it's like it's a get a small mention. You got like mm. Copilot, obviously it's backed by OpenAI, but then you got Nvidia coming out with Metaverse and intelligence inside there. Then you have. Um, there's so many. I mean, I've been researching. I've sent you a couple of videos. Oh, it's just nonstop. No, Every huge. day there's three, four, five applications being released. Gen 2. I mean, Gen 2s are coming out after Gen 1, literally three weeks after Gen 1 got launched. Remember, Microsoft used to launch Microsoft 95, then mm. Microsoft 96. Then you have iOS 14. Then one year later, these AI platforms, three weeks, new gen. And you know what's also been, I've been thinking that about is it, like Apple, Apple has been left in the dust by Microsoft. Mm, Microsoft mm. has become, you know, Satya Nadal has become the Michael Jordan of CEOs. What that guy has done, what that guy has done to Microsoft is unbelievable. I mean, he's a champion, eh? What a champion of a human with that yeah. level of leadership. Wow. Dude, it's actually funny guy. you said that because I, I was, when I was speaking to Dan the other day, I said to her, I wish Microsoft had a phone out. Because I would go and buy that phone today. Yeah, yeah. Before, you know, and I remember my relationship with Microsoft was, I loved it because we grew, we all grew up on Windows. Yes. Then yes. Apple came along and I remember yeah. switching to Apple because it was a cool thing. And then yeah. I remember my journey back to Windows because my brother started working at Microsoft and he was like, listen, uh, like since the last time you were on like Windows, it's changed a lot. Uh, and I came mm. back into the Microsoft ecosystem. And since mm. then, I've just loved it. But it's been like... It's like, cool, I like Windows, I like 
now I've started using Edge as well as a browser. And then with Microsoft now kind of pioneering so much of what's happening in the AI space, I've been like, I wish I could just get a Microsoft Mm. phone at this point as well. That is like running on Microsoft uh, OS that is built by them. Mm. They've done a phenomenal job. Like, I mean, as a company, what they've been through over the past couple of years is it's Mm. incredible. I think you're right. And it's Sakinadol all to do with him. He's the goat. Yeah, he yeah. is. He is a goat, yeah. man. And I love, mm. you know, he reminds me of Obama in many ways. You know, he's got a very mm. calm demeanor. And it's always like, I think we spoke about it on the pod. You know, I always wished I was like that. You know, it's like, mm. I was like, oh, I love that very elegant speaking style, very calm and relaxed. <laughs> and then, and here I am feeling like a machine gun and I'm like nothing like that. But whenever I see people like that, I'm so like enamored by them, you know, like enamored. Anyway, let's well, get into today's pod. Yeah, sorry, sorry, go on. No, I was just going to say, soon you'll be able to do your AI clone and your AI clone, you can yes. tell it to be elegant, be calm, More like be, Satya Nadal. be yes, poised. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yes, so yes, be poised. If you see a sudden switch in John Sonne's mm. demeanor online, then you know that yes, it's not him yes. anymore. He's been cloned <laughs> by AI. <laughs> While he's sitting in Bali, chilling, there'll be an AI clone working on his behalf. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So, big shout out to my friend, Vili. Um, Vili invited me to something he's doing called the Excellence Challenge. Vili Moritz, if you want to look him up on uh, Instagram. And he's doing this uh, excellence challenge. And Billy's an operator, um, has always been. Every time I speak to an old friend who knows him, it's like, whoa, he's been operating for 10 years, 15, 20 years. He's a startup specialist, but also a leader. He's excellent at that space of solving problems on the go, bootstrapping his businesses, and has done really well with one or two of his exits. And uh, I've become really friends, close friends with him in Dubai. He invited me to something he's running called the Excellence Challenge, something he's been doing back in South Africa for many years, but then just introduced it to Dubai. And I thought I really got some good points out of the workshop. It was a full-day workshop. In fact, it's a two-day workshop. I just did one of them. Um, and I thought it would be a great way for us to go through of how to be excellent. And again, also to give big ups to um, Vili. Um, for his dedication to being excellent. And he is excellent in many aspects of his life. Um, so let's go through, there's about 10 points. And it's just like very quick uh, firing points for us to really get our heads around. And uh, the first one is delayed gratification. It's our ability to sort of delay any one of our addictions, our um, short-term needs to be met and we find that this delayed gratification is not just even a individual challenge. It's an organizational challenge. It's a leadership challenge. It's a team's challenge. It's, a, it's an everything challenge because mm. we've been coaxed into, programmed into a short-termism. It's a disease. In fact, when I was at the, the gathering of the large, the largest gathering of futurists at the Dubai Museum of the Future event, um, <clears throat> She, the one of the speakers called it a virus. Short-termism is a virus that has infected organizations, uh, quarterly profits, uh, bonus structures, decision-making process, and it's a virus that is not allowing us to think long-term. So if you want to think about being excellent, I think there's two pockets to really want to jump into here is I think it's okay to go for short-term wins because it's necessary to celebrate yourself in those short-term wins. 
but to have delayed gratification for the result of what you're trying to create is really elegant. And what uh, Gary Vee says, he says, the bigger the goal, the deeper the patience. And it's almost as if this delayed gratification, if you really want to stretch it, is you actually never arrive. You know, you never arrive. Mm. That's the thing. It's like, it's a weird thing because uh, I was watching John McEnroe's documentary on the plane yesterday. What an excellent documentary. What an excellent documentary. Just give, and give, you know what give he context said? to who he is again. Oh, John McEnroe. He's, uh, yeah, yeah. He was number one in the world from 1980 to 1984. Um, but had a, you know, he was in a guy tennis, who fought right? in tennis. And he was the yeah. guy who used to shout at everybody and tell the umpires they're jerks and assholes and all sorts of different things. Mm. And he won Wimbledon and England hated him. And I mean, it was, it, was a, it was a very good documentary. But you know what he said? He said such an amazing thing. He said there was something wrong. I was number one in the world. Some people were calling me the greatest of all time. And I'm still unhappy. Mm. It was the most, such a deep, such a deep expression of this man that worked his whole life with total focus to get there and was still unhappy. And that also gives us this idea that you never arrive. And it's this, it's this anti-climax most of the time when we arrive at our goals. And you know this, you know, I mean, you, you, you got a bestseller and you were like, uh, okay, yeah, done. Okay, next. Mm. Okay, what's next? Yeah, yeah, like, for sure. You just mm. move on, right? You just move mm. on. So I think there's, there's three layers to it. So let me just recap here. One, yeah. you have your own short wins that you want to celebrate, but you have a delayed gratification uh, in the idea that you never arrive. Two, in an organizational structure, the virus of short-termism is something that's infected everybody. And it's funny because the boards and the execs all want profitability, um, but they're not willing to look at it long-term. And three, this has almost been baked into our systems from schooling um, and from organizational structures itself as baked in short-termism as a virus. So it's something that we have to structurally rethink. And then obviously, I always have to touch on this, is our neuroscience. And it's a high beta brainwave. It's an addiction to a high beta brainwave that doesn't allow us to really always think about delayed gratification. And the minute you get into an alpha brainwave, you don't ever have to arrive. You're just so enthralled in the creativity, imagination, and collaboration in the moment. The end result is, yeah, it's okay. You don't, you, you know, you don't have to aim at it. So uh, that's mm. point one. Yeah. There's a, a quote that I have in, on my board here, my whiteboard, that says, mediocrity is always in a rush. Oof. Yeah. I, I remember Oof. reading that. And it like, it hit me. I was like, sure. Mm. Like how often do I fall, fall victim to that where I want to just get things out as quickly as possible, you know, whether that's whatever content that might be, um, whatever piece of work that might be. And when I read that and I can't remember who the author was, I was like, sure. That is, Oh, that hits me. I'm still that hits me. Yeah. <laughs> it's still hitting me and it's still hitting you. <laughs> so, so that's why I put it on my board as a reminder that it's, it's good to slow down because mm. things that are good take time. And so it's mm. also this delayed gratification is also because we get the dopamine hits from also pushing publish, right? So like there's a delayed gratification of the outcome that needs to, that mm. needs to come back to you. But then there's a delayed mm. gratification of pushing the thing out into the world. Mm. And of course there's this, and you know, it's nuance. There's a time to get things out as quickly as possible. So you can iterate and do whatever. 
And then there's a time to slow down and put effort and care into the thing that you are doing and delay the gratification of hitting publish and mm. getting it out into the world. And that is the thing I, well, I mean, I struggle with delayed gratification on both ends if I'm, if I'm very honest, but that's always been, uh, uh, I guess kind of engineered into me is that I want to get things out as quickly as possible. And so I'm, I'm definitely learning the patience of doing good work. Well, I made a big discovery. I, I did a, um, a ceremony a week ago or so. And my request before the ceremony was, how do I become more elegant in my ambition? And the response I got and the teaching I received was, if you respect yourself more, mm. you'll be naturally more patient. You'll be naturally more at ease. And it's the lack of self-respect and the lack of trust that you have in the process that makes you rushed and overly ambitious. Mm. And it's the same as mediocrity is always in a rush. It's like there's a lack of respect. There's a lack of self-respect. There's a lack of self. There's a lack of respect in the process. And, mm. I'm, and I even said it last week in the podcast is winning too early is a disaster. It's a disaster. What happens to somebody who wins a lottery? Finished. What happens to a, a rich kid whose dad gives him, a, him or her a lot of money? That's a waste. That, that's, it's not deserved. It, there's no container to hold it. And, you know, mm. do we make this podcast just for ourselves, Eric? Because, I don't know, maybe I should just listen to this podcast that we <laughs> say to, I don't know. <laughs> our own therapy and coaching. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. Should we rebrand? Well, welcome to the uh, <laughs> therapy and coaching Self- session with John yeah. Son and Eric Kruger. Yeah. yeah, where they coach themselves and each <laughs> <For> the other. <laughs> <laughs> self-soothing podcast, self-soothing. <laughs> anyway, um, it's, uh, it's funny because, again, it comes down to this incredibly deeply ingrained high beta brainwave baked into our brains. It's, it's so deeply ingrained. It's like mm. so ridiculous that you can't, you, can't even, you can't even escape it. Your psyche is so enthralled with that addiction, you know? Anyway, Okay. Shall we move on to the next? Let's move, we move on. on to the next one. Patiently. <laughs> Let's move on patiently. Let's take it easy, Eric. Let's take it easy. Okay. The next one might seem obvious, but very few people do it. And it's something that we sometimes do. And then like, we kind of forget. It kind of falls out of our behavior. And it's called, quite simply, go the extra mile. Excellence often requires going above and beyond what is expected. By consistently striving to exceed expectations and deliver exceptional results, you can stand out from the crowd and create opportunities for success. So I have two examples of this. One of them is Four Seasons Hotels that created a term called unexpected kindness. And what it was about, um, I think Disney actually Maybe it was a Disney or Four Seasons. I can't remember now. But one of them created unexpected kindness. I remember it was one of the research papers I did. And what they were saying there is that when you go to a five-star hotel, everything's expected for it to be clean and smell nice and have the best linen and have the best coffee. It's almost expected. Where are your moments of surprising and unexpected kindness? And I thought that was really like poignant it's like, where are you playing in an unexpected way? Another example of this, which is maybe related, not related, but I was listening to a podcast called Hidden Brain, and they were talking about the psychology of gifting. So interesting. They said the gifts that are appreciated the most are the ones that are not expected. 
Mm. And the gifts that are expected on a birthday are compared to other gifts that they receive on a birthday. So you could go in with an amazing gift that somebody gifted much more than you. Your gift becomes secondary, third, fourth, whatever. It's like, <laughs> and this happened to me, you know, I went, I went to a friend's house. I was in Costa Rica and I bought like 15, 20 Costa Rican chocolate bars at the airport, you know, and thought, okay, well, when I go to my friend's house, I'll just give them bars of chocolate from Costa Rica. It's like, you know, it's got a great like picture on it. It was high end chocolate, you know? Anyway, I arrive at my friend's house in Dubai, I give them the chocolate. They're like, oh, that's amazing. Awesome. I'm like, great. Let's, let's try it a little bit later. That's it, you know? And then this other couple arrives from Italy. They bring them Parma ham, um, cheese from Italy, chocolates from Italy, caviar. From- Bro, my gift was so embarrassing. <laughs> <laughs> I thought... I thought I was doing well. I was like, oh my God, give me the gift back. Give me the gift back. I just got to eat it by myself in the corner. And then last example of this, last example. No, I've never told anybody that story. Here I am on a live on just telling live thousands, on the podcast. Yeah, people, just telling yeah, thousands yeah. of people. Yeah. Uh, but I think it's funny. I think it's happened to all of us. Then I, I have become uh, pretty tight and pretty good friends with a guy called Rowan Belcher. And I know you know him as well. He is a global CEO, coach, and leadership consultant. And um, Rowan recently came to Dubai, and he's, he's growing his brand into Saudi and Dubai. And he, and he coaches top CEOs in the UK mostly. He lives in Cape Town. But what a guy, man. He's a, he's a force. You know, I, I watched him talk. Um, I've had a couple of meals with him. Very generous, kind-hearted man. Really like him. Carries a lot of gravitas with him. He's a single dad. He has two kids. He looks after them, you know, while he's running his global business. But he posted this thing where whenever he gets a new client, he gifts them with like six of his favorite books and a CEO handbook. And I thought, you know, that's an incredible excellence process where right from the start, you set the tone of what we're going to be doing in this relationship. Here's the things that I want you to access and think about. Here are my favorite thinking processes. Here's a book that you can journal in. Let's arrive into this conversation together. And I, and I think some people are, are more thoughtful around this. And when I see the unexpected things of kindness and I see uh, the gifting processes and gifting people when they're not expecting it, and then see Rowan, like he, he wrote this on, on LinkedIn, I just thought to myself, you know, if you are more elegant and delayed in your gratification, you'll have time for these things. Mm. And how, how amazing it is that you just tie these two up and all of a sudden it becomes obvious to be gifting. It, it becomes obvious to be, mm. to be being excellent and going out of the way, you know? So that's point two. Sure. I absolutely, I love that. I, I love that. And the way that I've always uh, thought about it is surprise and delight. Mm-hmm. You know, how do you add that element to the work that you do? Because it's so, easy for us just to get caught up in, oh, this is what I do as a service, and I'm just going to do this excellently. That's cool. But what people are really looking for is to be surprised and delighted. And I remember we went to Overture. So it's bad as my son's, well, I don't know if you know him, but he's one of the best chefs in, in SA. And he had a, a restaurant that was running for many years called Overture. And when you get to Overture, um, the entire theme there that you can pick up is surprise and delight. So like you'll, you'll think you're done with a course and they're like, Oh, by the way, here's something in between for you to snack on. It's on us. <laughs> and then you've, you've had your dessert um, and you kind of busy paying the bill and they come, Oh, by the way, here's something else. And you open it up and it's like this beautifully created little sort of 
a mush bush or whatever you want to call it. And then like you peel that back and there's a little bit more underneath it. And like, even though it's small, it's just like, oh, it's extra. You know, it's something I wasn't mm. bargaining on. Mm. I also, I heard this interview once, also a restaurant dude, who said that when they have customers come into the restaurant, the waiter is instructed to always ask, is this your first time or have you been here before? And when they go and sit you down, depending on whether you've been there before, you're a new customer, you get a different mm. color serviette. And so now uh, everyone knows wow. whether you're, you're new or, you well, or you're coming back. Wow. And so wow. they either treat you as, welcome back. It's so good to see you again. It's great to have you in. Mm. Or, you know, welcome to the restaurant for the first time. Mm. How can we make this as pleasant experience for you as mm. possible? And, and I love that. It's the small attention to detail, Right. And I'll often sit when I'm working with teams, I'll ask myself, well, what is the surprise and delight aspect? They expect me to do X, Y, and Z. What would surprise and delight look like mm. on top of that? And, and it might just be small things, right? It might be that extra video you sent them. It might be like when you are contracting for a, a speaking engagement that you do a teaser video for them that they didn't expect that they can share with their audience. Um, so I think it's a, I love it as a concept. I think it's um, important you know what for would us be to really think cool? about. Mm. It would be cool to have an outsourced surprise and delight chief of chief officer. Mm. It's almost like, look, I'll pay you X amount a month. Come and look at what I do. And here are my client, um, here's my client uh, uh, journey from inquiry to delivery. Where are the delight and surprise processes? Yeah, yeah. Like, love that. At what love point that. do we mm. jump in? And actually do delight and surprise. My God, mm. this is, um, that's uh, delight and surprise business. I Maybe ask uh, ChatGPT. I will. <laughs> I will. <laughs> no, but it's a person. No, you're, I you're like right. it. You're no, right. I like it. It's yeah, very cool. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Number three is decluttering. In order for us to be excellent, we've really got to be clear on what we're focusing on. And we have spoken about being broad in our focus, but the cleanliness of that focus, the, the impact of that focus is think, I think what I, is what I'm, what I'm aiming at is clutter and chaos can be major obstacles to excellence. By decluttering your physical space, your mind and your schedule, you can create a more productive and focused environment that supports your goals. Now, the one example I always have is for myself is I recently moved from my apartment in the marina. I moved in with my friend Joe that we all know or that you and I know from the pod. And I was shocked at how much stuff I had again. Like, <laughs> I mean, like, what are you doing? Like, how, why have you got so many things? I, have, I was giving loads and loads of stuff away again. And I was like, this is somebody who's nomadic, who's been traveling, who who lives in apartment hotels around the world and is still accumulating so many things. Mm. And so I, I come to South Africa now and my suitcases are like 24 kilos, two suitcases. And I'm like, guy, you don't need so many things. Like what is, like, how would you still have so much? And so even me with my, I wouldn't say minimalist approach, but essentialist approach still gather far too many things. And Marie Kondo, if you don't know who she is, she's a Japanese consultant who's made a business of, it's, it's almost like an organizing consultant. So she comes into your life and into your business and into you, and she like repacks, rechecks, rethinks. And so mm. I think the ability for us to declutter is a real skill. It gives us cleanliness, gives us space. And again, it comes back down to the both other points. 
It's delayed gratification. It's in an alpha brain state. It's in a calm manner. It's respectful. It's not mediocre. And it's really about that sort of idea of decluttering. Mm. I like what you said around the cleanliness of the focus that you have. Um, mm. That's a great little phrase. And I mean, if we think of, of examples of excellence, you know, whether that's Barack Obama, whether that's a sports star, whether that's an incredible business person, they all have an intense focus around what they do, right? And for many of them, decluttering means getting rid of distractions or getting rid of even of the smallest things. I mean, oh, you know, you can think of that example of Mark Zuckerberg that would say, you know, um, I'm wearing the same outfit every day. And that's, of mm. course, a very extreme thing. And then like tech bros went and all adopted this because like they need to mm. also just wear one thing a day. It's like, okay, like I get where you're going with that. Maybe like you, you're overreaching a bit because you're not Mark Zuckerberg. But I, I appreciate the idea that we should strip away the things that are distracting us from being our best. And it's so easy that over time we just gather and gather all of these different attachments, whether that's a physical attachment, like buying more and more clothing, or whether that's an emotional attachment or baggage that you have or an outdated belief that you have. All of these things need to be decluttered so that you are just creating cleanliness of focus. Yeah, that's a good term, eh? Yeah, cleanliness mm. of focus, yeah. Okay, last one. Yeah, and this one again, I I, I really can um, relate to, and the last one for me is take risks. In order for you to be really excellent, you often require to take calculated risks and stepping out of your comfort zone. By embracing uncertainty and pushing yourself to try new things, you discover new opportunities, grow your skills and confidence, and achieve even greater heights of excellence. And this one is best described for me myself as moving to Dubai. Mm. is it's really out of your comfort zone. And I was actually telling my friend last night, I was having dinner with him and I was saying, you know, it's the most amazing thing that's happened after being there for three, four years now. Um, I've now got friends there. I've got lots of friends. I'm constantly socializing. I'm out with them and I come back to Cape Town and I've got pockets of friends here. And I'm like, and it was one of my, I was, I was thinking about the things that I'm deeply grateful for yesterday when I landed in Cape Town. I was making a mental note of them. And I was thinking the thing I'm really grateful for is the community I've built in both cities and mm. how precious that is to have those friendships, to have people say to me, we're going to miss you while you're not here or so excited to see you when you come back. Those little things, those little, it's just such a wonderful human, like, expression that I really appreciate. Mm, and, mm. but it all came out of me stepping out of my comfort zone. You know, it all came out of the first three thoughts, three months, anytime or six months in a city, man, they're lonely, man. You don't know anybody. You're like, you're like trying to make your way. And it's like, it's tough. It's really tough. Um, and so most people don't step out of their comfort zones. They keep doing what they've always done. They stay with the same old friends. They eat all the same old foods. They go to the same places for holiday I mean, man, that's uh, not a way to become excellent. Mm. And so, yes, mm. uh, taking risks uh, becomes a very, very vital part of stepping up and stepping out of your current persona to develop a new one. Yeah. You know, the, the complacency that comes from just doing the same thing over and over is so, um, it's so alluring. Like it's, it, it just, it kind of pulls you in because you know what works, you follow the same routes every day, like these things just become, you know, part of who you are. 
And so, but, but eventually what always I think ends up happening is that for a while it feels really good because you found your groove, but then that groove becomes the thing that holds you back. And, and that's the tricky thing is like, so, you know, we took a risk when we moved to Somerset West, we left behind our entire life in Gauteng. We moved to Cape Town, new environment. Is, I mean, you know all about this new uh, people and it didn't take us long to find a groove here because we were playing paddles. So we, again, we built community, all these kind of things. Uh, but then very quickly, you're like, okay, cool. This thing that I love, <laughs> if I don't think of ways to also disrupt that, it yeah. becomes a thing that holds me back. And so yeah. people don't have to think about moving to a new city. Cause I mean, obviously that's also not sustainable to like uproot your entire Constantly life moving. every couple, yeah, of, yeah, couple sure, of years, sure, sure, but sure. It's important to think about where you are taking risk. And I think for most people, if they assess that for themselves, they'll find that they're not taking risk anywhere, nowhere. And if you're doing that, it's only a matter of time before you're going to wake up one day and you're going to look for a coach because you're going to feel like you've become complacent in your life. That's why I wrote the book called Dangerous, is that people become harmless. They become complacent over time. At some point, they feel the need to become a little bit dangerous again. Like it's inevitable. So was that a segue that's going to happen. What, what, hang on, hang on. Was that a segue into, well, let me tell you about my services, what, what I've developed. <laughs> it just seemed like You're a right, good... Uh, <laughs> yeah, that was very good. That's why you must get a coach. My name is erickruger.com. And then what you can do is... Um, <laughs> well, I don't do coaching anymore, but you can definitely get the no, book yeah. if you feel like you're a bit complacent. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, uh, that's funny. Um, I also think that what happens to us is familiarity becomes our king. And uh, we got to realize yeah. that all of this stepping out your comfort zone has three phases to it, right? It's got sad, strange, and adventure. And sad is leaving your comfort zone. Strange is when you've arrived at somewhere you don't understand. Adventure is, oh my God, I find God wind in my sails again. And mm. we repeat and mm. we repeat. But what most people do is they stay in adventure and that adventure yeah. becomes your death and that adventure makes you harmless. And it's that, that idea that you, how often are you actually stepping up and stepping out, stepping up mm. and stepping out. And it's that sort of constant need to elevate and evolve yourself. And, uh, you know, um, the video I shared from our pod last time is, and it was from, I think it was from, I can't remember which pod it was from, but it was, oh, I'm very happy with my life now. Is that coming from fear or is that coming from contentment? And you've got mm. to keep asking yourself that question, right? And this mm. is exactly the same thing as yeah. when you're stepping out. So good. And, mm. and I think spiritually, mentally, and physically, those mm. are the three things you need to be thinking about. Is like, when's the last time you did something for yourself spiritually to actually access more of yourself emotionally? When's the last time you went to go heal some part of yourself? And physically, when's the last time you pushed yourself out of your comfort zone, you know? Mm. And so uh, I think it's a three-pronged approach that we can always be. Yeah, doing. very, very good. Excellent. That was great. Great. I really enjoyed it. Excellent. Excellent. Great. Well, thank you again for Vili for inspiring this pod and uh, for everybody that we're going to be seeing tonight. I mean, it's not really tonight because you're going to be hearing this uh, next week, but uh, we're looking forward to our event tonight and there'll be a lot of social media that we're going to be posting from it. Um, And uh, as usual, join us every week on the Expansive Podcast. If you've enjoyed this, please do share it with uh, whoever you think may want to hear it. Our numbers are growing steadily. We want to thank everybody for sharing our pod. We have reached our goal of 200 people giving us feedback on our podcast. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you to everybody giving us. I mean, those numbers are unreal. It's a 4.9 
star average. And uh, and that's of 200 people giving us uh, 226. So, yeah, yeah. Oh, wow. 226. Mm. Oh, man. This is, you know, it's a dream, bro. It's a dream. It's a it's dream within amazing. a dream within a it's dream. Been amazing. Yeah, it's yeah. amazing. Amazing. Until next week, to all the expansive people out there, thank you so much for joining us, and we'll see you soon. Ciao.